Hello. Let me just get this worked out. So, I, uh, I'm here on a Thursday night, and we've had a great week so far. I'm welcoming you all to the show on the first day of December, 2022. It is 8.56 p.m., and I am having a little bit of a problem with Twitch. So I hope that in the time it takes me to start the intro, I'm able to figure out what the hell's going on here. And this is just what happens, you know? I'm all alone over here. I'm a one-man band. I've got one instrument attached to my big toe on my right foot. I've got four other instruments attached to the other toes. And that's just one limb. And every once in a while this stuff happens and you have to try to find ways to figure out the world in between breaths, it seems. But we're going to have a good show tonight one way or another. Thankfully, we have a guest who can talk. And I guess we love hearing speak. His name is Judge Joe Brown. He's coming back to, uh, to just catch up. He's got a lot going on. He always does. He's just a great guy to bring on to talk about the uh, the state of the culture and where we need to go first uh, or next. I want to ask him about uh, that big legal question I've been pondering about what what um, Elon Musk or anybody in his position has when they acquire a company that, that might have been engaged in some really nasty dealings and at least have uh, were able to inflate their their price and their worth through unsavory means so i wanted to know what kind of what kind of what kind of action can somebody take after the fact after you you drop 44 billion dollars on something um that's just the, the tip of the iceberg there's so much else going on too and after we speak with Judge Joe Brown, depending on what time of night it is, I'm just going to open up the, the lines because I'm sure that people are going to want to talk about that circus that happened on uh, Infowars today. Oh, a big circus indeed. And there's so much to say about it. Kanye West shows up with Nick Fuentes. But Kanye West, you're like, well, where is he? Because, of course, he only looked like a jacket. Everything else was blacked out because he had a, a, a black hood on his face. He had black gloves. Some people ha, uh, got the irony. They liked it. They loved the ham-fisted approach to everything. And when we say everything, it means the gloves came off, though he had gloves on. And uh, we went into, oh, man, we went into uh, Hitler did nothing wrong territory today. You remember that meme? Well, anyway, I'm going to open up lines for that i have some insight from and some opinions from people who have already written in on both sides of the story uh, as for both sides of the, the the major opinions that can have i have some things that kind of go right down the middle a little bit i'm not disturbed by anything that happened today but when you think about ops when you think about optics when you think about psychological operations it's not really about what what affects you 
people who gravitate to shows like this and kind of look at the world through these types of um they expect this kind of chaos and they don't try to let it affect them too much um on, on a, in a personally passionate way but you also have to just wonder about the lowest common denominator because that is what psyops are all about it's about how the lowest common denominator reacts because though you may not react to something the hundreds of millions of uh, normies around you may react and then your time is still completely swallowed up by people who just don't get it that you have to either be fending off or just isolate from and then it still affects your life i mean what, what tell me of all the people who saw early on what the covid operation was really all about and how it was already creeping into our everyday lives what did knowing do for us aside from at least for a time kept us out of the way of some uh the points of a needle because dr peter mccullough came out today with some very very disturbing things about mrna shedding that we all kind of uh, assumed but um it's it's a real bummer i gotta tell you that much uh anyway like I was saying, whether it be COVID or whether it be what's going on with Kanye West and the uh, the anti-Semitism uproar at the moment, because it's all cyclical, it'll be gone before you know it. Um, it's really just about you have to deal with the crowds, the hordes around you that don't care about anything else, that don't do any reading, and that just react. And they react based on what they've been trained to react to their entire lives, especially when it comes to the name Adolf Hitler. Whoa, whoa, you want to get people's hair to stand up on end. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting, and I'm wondering what you all think, and I'll just leave it at that. All right, I want to, uh, again, thank everybody on my affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv, and the biggest, of course, the biggest sponsors of this show, the first, the biggest, and always the most important are the individuals out there who become sponsors through any number. We have four of them now, ways to be a monthly monthly supporter of the show. Uh, you guys and gals are the reasons why we are a two-hour-a-night show. It used to be a one-hour-a-night show. We expanded because we hit certain go production goals. Uh, that You're the reason why we are able to start dabbling with seven-day-a-week seven day a week after show programming on the network why that is becoming more and more of a reality you're the reason why we have once a month saturday night specials i mean it, it really is about everybody at home who who pitches in and uh and, and acts in a voluntarist sense in a free market exchange you found a show that you like you want to support a show that you like and you guys and gals are really my biggest oldest and most important sponsors thank you um everybody else of course Go check them out on the affiliates page. I love them just as well. But um, thank you all so much. So that's my shout out for this evening. All right, into the grab bag we go. The first one up is this weirdo creep. Sam Bankman Fried Freed says he's uh, he's had a bad bad week or a bad month. Hold on, let me get him out of the way. Let me put him up on the screen. There you go. This is from the Daily Caller. And the crowd laughs, of course. The crowd laughs because it's the same kind of crowd that that uh, that applauded when James Comey admitted that uh, he broke all rules and norms when he sent a FBI goon squad into entrap, um, entrap General Flynn because it was just 
early enough in the Trump administration to say, fuck the rules. You know, this is the same kind of crowd that claps for that. It's the same kind of crowd who also uh, claps for the wrong thing. And then Stephen Colbert slaps them on the hand and tells them what they should be doing. And then they change their response up. They're, they're lifeless automatons. Former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried told uh, CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin at the DealBook Summit on Wednesday that he didn't, he's, he's, go, he's still doing summits, don't you know? Still doing summits. He should be hammering out license plates in prison. But he's not going to go to prison because he's made far too many people on both sides of the political slash regulator uh, uh, aisle too much money. And he was the X factor in creating the results that we got. One of the X factors, at least the financial one, in the results that we got in uh, in uh, the midterm elections. You know, for everybody that points out, he became the second biggest Democrat donor, second to only George Soros. It has now been uh, estimated that he also became the fourth largest donor to Republicans. And of course, people who are still trapped in the two-party duopoly game, they're like, oh yeah, well, he he, be, he was giving Republicans too. Now what are you going to say? It's like, now de- step back, step back, you're almost there. Now connect all the dots. Connect all the dots. Fucking WWE. To believe politics, you have to believe that WWE is real. There's going to be a time and a place for me to sort of think about myself. That's what he said. And own and my own future, but I don't think this is it. The former crypto billionaire said, I mean, look, I've had a bad month. Can you can you believe this? Despite the crowd erupting in laughter as soon as he said he had a bad month, Bankman Freed pressed on. This has not been a good time for me, but that's not what matters here. What matters is millions of customers. What matters is all the stakeholders in FTX. These are people that they that, that Vox got those direct messages, those private messages about him literally typing out giggles about, yeah, I got caught. I'm stealing money, stealing money. And whoopsie, whoopsie, there was a bank run. There was a digital currency bank run when I was playing uh, too loosey-goosey with everybody's money and there wasn't enough reserves there to cash everybody out. Whoopsie, if you had just given me another week, I would have put some back. You know, this is the kind of shit we're dealing with. Listen to this, New York Times Deal Book Summit. Here's an, here's an example of some of the exchanges going on here. Hold on, maybe you can hear this. I hope, uh, hope you can. Listen. On behalf of everybody here and on behalf of the public, I want to thank you for engaging in it at a time, in truth, when I know you've been advised not to. So thank you so very, very much. Um, thank you. Sam Bankman-Fried, everybody. I mean, we know that you've been advised not to. Advised by who? And, and who's going to hold him accountable? He can do whatever the hell he wants. And then the, th- the multiple thank yous. You would think that the New York Times and this summit over here, this deal book summit, would say, how about we skip? How about we skip the autistic thief over here? But maybe it's because of his, his, uh, his, his being on the spectrum or something that they think they can get away with this, that maybe, you know, he's the savant type, you know, oh, he couldn't have meant anything like this. He needed you know, this little squirrely guy over here. I don't know. I don't know what, they're, what they think that they can get away. Here's a little bit more. 
Here's a little bit more of what he said. At the end of the day, I, I was CEO of FTX, and that means whatever happened, whatever it happened, I had a duty. I had a duty to all of our stakeholders, to our customers, uh, our creditors. I had a duty to our employees, to our investors, and, and to the regulators of the world. Yes, you had a duty to simply not take everybody's money and buy all of your orgy friends' man mansions. That's all. Yes, you're right. I, I love this part of the, um, of the fake apology and the person, you know, uh, going out there on a redemption quest. I love this part where they all, they, 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 ask, them, they ask themselves easy questions and they answer it uh, to make themselves look like uh, smart asses. Uh, to do right by them, to make sure that the right things happen to the company. And yeah, the buck, the buck stopped with me. And I, I just feel so, uh, if you can, you can see by my slumped shoulders, I just, uh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do right the second time. Thank you for the second chance, by the way. Uh, Clearly, I didn't do a good job of that. Um, clearly, I um, I made a lot of mistakes or, or things I would give anything to be able to do over again. Like like what? Like get a refund for all the houses you bought people? Um, I didn't ever uh, try to commit fraud on anyone. I I know you didn't try. You just did it. You see you see how easy this is to be a squirrel, to be a little squirrel boy when when so many people are propping you up and all of your MIT friends. And then take a look at this. Good Morning America put this out not too long, long ago. George Stephanopoulos, the, uh, the former Clinton White House communications director, giving him a chance at redemption again on Good Morning America. Watch. I can't imagine what it feels like to go from $20 billion to $100,000. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, I, I mean, $20 billion now is just a, a measly 100000 I can't even, I mean... How did he go from crypto hero to crypto supervillain? Today, a lot of people look at you and see Bernie Madoff. GMA Tomorrow, Sam Bankman-Fried, one-on-one with George Stephanopoulos. What happened to the billions people invested with him? What is the talent that you have that convinced people they should invest billions of dollars? He was on top. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm a squirrely guy, and I'm somewhere on the autism spectrum, so they thought I was brilliant. Top of the world. They thought I was Rain Man. You got all these celebrities. You did it in a big way. Yeah. Have no, you, yeah, he, yeah, I'm sure he did it all. Sure he did. You gotten calls from any of the celebrities who endorsed you? But now... Are you worried about going to jail? And what led to this? That's a pretty stunning admission. The breaking new interview. Yeah, so I, I'm sure that'll put all the conspiracy theories to rest. George Stephanopoulos uh, uh, slipping in there to give him a nice pillow for his bottom... I'm sure. Yeah, pay your. Hey, by the way, everybody, pay your taxes. You better pay your taxes. You better report every little knickknack, every sterling silver spoon that you sold on eBay this past year. You better report every last one of it, because your ass will go to jail. You and me will go to jail. Report every knickknack. Okay. E every every uh, old tea set. Oh, every old teapot, all the teacups that you sold at your, your September tag sale, you better report it all because they will come knocking on your door. This guy, however, this guy, however, who knows? They, 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 if they send him to jail, he'll be, just, he'll be playing softball with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell for three months, and then they'll move him to some kind of a, a halfway house or something. I don't know. It's all bullshit. Infuriating when you think about the way that we have to live and the way that we have to we have to scurry around to make sure that we stay out of jail. <laughs> it's uh, it's just infuriating. But uh, this is another little something I wanted to bring up. 
This is what I said before. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. And he's on with this uh, Tanya Gaw. And it says here, here's a quote. It looks like the messenger RNA is transferring from vaccinated to unvaccinated, said Dr. McCullough. This is something that obviously we wondered about, wondered where we were going to get confirmation and how good uh, the confirmation was going to be. And, um, and obviously this is pretty disturbing. And it's a real bummer. Because, you know, really just means it's a matter of time, unless you want to live like a hermit. Um, take a listen to this. What are the risks to the unvaccinated? You know, there was a recent paper. I just have it on my Substack. If, if, if you want to review it, if you go to the Courageous Discourse Substack, and the first author is Helene Banoon, a former INSERM scientist. INSERM is a leading research unit in France. And Banoon has summarized this. This is disturbing. It looks like the messenger RNA is transferring from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated now. And uh, in a paper by Fertig and colleagues, the messenger RNA is found circulating in blood for at least two weeks and the curves were not going down. That's as long as they looked. Rolkin and colleagues has found messenger RNA and the vaccinated in lymph nodes for months. It looks like the body's not clearing it out. And, uh, and then a recent paper, this is most disturbing from Hannah and colleagues, JAMA, showed that the messenger RNA is in the breast milk of yes. women ill-advised who took the vaccine uh, during pregnancy or afterwards. So it's now clear, I think the messenger RNA, that's the greatest concern is, was, could you actually take a vaccine inadvertently by close contact, kissing, sexual contact, breastfeeding? And it looks like the answer is yes. Now the question on the table is, how long do you wait uh, for contact? No one knows. This, the, the vaccines, the messenger RNA vaccines for short, they've never been demonstrated to actually leave the body. They look like they're permanent, uh, as well as the spike protein that's produced after them. This is very disturbing. So it's hard to guide. I was saying, you know, 30 days refrain from kissing and sexual contact with a vaccinated person, but I'm now extending that to at least 90 days and, uh, and conservatively maybe extended from a, a point forward. I know there's married couples and all kinds of, uh, of, of personal uh, implications there, but but no, this messenger RNA looks like it's for keep. Every shot is accumulating in the body with no ability to, for the body to get rid to of it. To remove it. So now, obviously, you hear that. You say, okay, well, he says it's just you know kissing and sexual contact. And if you are, you're in a relationship in which you and your wife or your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you're not, neither of you have gotten the shot, That that's something going in your in your um in your favor because you know outside of lauren i'm not i'm not kissing anybody um so i guess that's something but it's um obviously who knows who the hell knows and it's uh it, it's it's a real bummer it's a real bummer because you can only be i guess so responsible for yourself without without having to live in a in a in a bubble uh, so, you know, as time goes on, we'll bring on some more medical uh, professionals and we'll, we'll ask some more questions and hopefully we gain a little bit more insight on this. But uh, obviously, I'm going to have to delete this episode on Twitter, uh, to, uh, Tumblr, uh, YouTube, as well as a couple of other sites. So um, a couple of other episodes from this week alone. I don't know why I've let it rock out as long as I have, but this is another one of those. I don't know. You would think that everybody would want to know about this, 
But if you are complicit, if you were part of the operation that spread this and put us all, the, all of humanity in this kind of a situation, this very lamentable, infuriating situation, then I, I, uh, it's, I should be very obvious as to why they don't want anybody talking about it or spreading this around because, um, yeah, it's, in, it's enraging, isn't it? We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Going to get a little bit of other, a few other things out of the way before Judge Joe Brown arrives for this evening's broadcast. Don't go anywhere. It's been great to have you on so far. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Yes. Listen to me, honey. Give Pearl something that'll be of some use to it's me. It's December like a, 1st. Like a five-pound box of money. Now, now there's a little gift. It makes you wonder, you know, what would a five-pound box of money get you these days? It would either have to be all $100 bills or... Five pounds of gold would be good. That's money, not currency. Maybe, you know, I think Pearl's actually asking for the goods here. The gold is the money. The uh, the paper is the currency. She didn't say give me a five-pound box of currency, right? So just give me that, that gold and silver. Very, very smart. Very smart chick, that Pearl Bailey. Five-pound box of money. All right, well, it's Christmas. So we are telling, we are singing Christmas songs all over again. I just got Twitch back up and running. I had to switch out the uh, stream key. So they missed the beginning, but at least they don't miss the entire thing. Twitch is back on on the uh, on the board. That's how quick I was able to work. I almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. I'm glad that I did. All right, well, I just want to say real quick, tomorrow night we'll jump into a little bit more Friday science-y, science fiction, wormhole, Neuralink kind of thing. There's a few things about Elon Musk and what happened last night with the Neuralink conference. I don't know if any of you saw it. There was a lot happening last night, but I watched a little bit of it um, in between jumping back and forth to, quite frankly, TV because the Wednesday night rabbit hole was uh, was was great. It really was. But I watched it, and I couldn't listen to too much because of Elon Musk's stuttering and the cotton mouth. It was really grating, really grating. But from what I can gather, Elon Musk still maintains that Neuralink is primarily a way for human beings to not be outperformed by artificial intelligence. He said it. This is the reason why we're doing it. 
then they showed a monkey with a chip in its brain that was playing Pong, the old Atari game, playing Pong telepathically without its hands just by looking at the screen and and willing the um, the paddle to go wherever the hell needed to hit the ball. So there was that. He played Pong with its mind better than I could with my hands. But he also made some sort of a comment about how one of these days soon he will be wearing a chip himself to demonstrate its ability. Uh, for and and that at that time everybody started clapping and all that. He had, he actually had a lot of obviously a lot of supporters was in the in the audience. A lot of clapping, a lot of laughing at his jokes. And um, I don't know. He prefaced much. He prefaced um, much of it by pointing out that something about something we talked about in the show on the show a long time ago and with great frequency that we are already he says it maybe i can i can bring on some of our technologist friends out there to do a show on this sometime soon but that we're already quasi cybernetic beings it's the only thing that and it's true that if you sit if you find yourself sitting on your couch at home with your legs crossed slouched over uh, uh, thumbing through Telegram and whatever kind of apps have got you by the nuts all day, um, you're living a quasi-cybernetic life. That that phone is an extension of you. The, the computer is an extension of you. Whether it's a professional thing, we're doing a lot of socializing. I mean, it's just what it is. Uh, so if anyone out there uh, finds a not-too-long Substack article or something that breaks down all the other key points of what I what was going on with that thing, that presentation... Let me know about it, because I watched about 20 minutes. It seemed to be a pretty um, consequential 20 minutes. And he's moving right along with that. And it's nerve-wracking, too. It really is. Makes you wonder what the future of Twitter is all about. I have a thread from Aristophanes' Revenge tomorrow night about some thoughts about what this, uh, the jockeying between he and Apple, which seems to have calmed down. So Apple threatened for a little bit to take Twitter off the App Store, and now all of a sudden everything is hunky-dory. And during the time where things were up in the air, everybody was asking, will Elon Musk go and release his own phone? And he seemed to have already had a plan to do so, especially if, if, it, was, uh, if it was needed to counter um, Apple doing something like that. Because you know if you take something off the, the App Store then it is, uh, it is a non-entity to, to more than 95% of smartphone users. That's just the way it is. So um, wondering, just wonder, of course, the big question mark on the guy's, the guy's head. Who is Elon Musk and what are his real intentions? Tonight we'll be talking a little bit more about free speech, though, so there's that. Um, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the self-driving cars, those aren't working out too well. Last thing I want is a chip in my head, have my head catch on fire out of, no, uh, out of nowhere. How many, you know, people, that's one of those things, spontaneous human combustion. A lot of people say, oh, it's, it's, it's real. And there's, uh, there's bona fide instances of it's happening. And everybody says, no, it's all a bunch of bullshit. Well, I think once we start putting the, the brain chips in our head, there's going to be a lot more people just catching fire out of nowhere and melting down like these cars melt down into a, a pile of shit. That's what the cars do. There's so much there's so much heat generated. But um yeah. Hey, you know what I thought was cool? What I thought was really cool. Uh I got a 
I if maybe some of you who are on Spotify, you got some of your st- statistics wrapped up for you. I got a Spotify wrap that was sent to me yesterday. They wanted to tell me how my year was on Spotify, and obviously, I all I do on there, I have I I listen to a little bit of music, but this is a major place for people to get the podcast after the fact. Listen to this. My podcast, quite frankly, was in the top 5% most shared globally. 41% of you shared it through text. 28% of you shared through direct link. 23, another another kind of way. 5% of you Facebook, because who, who uses Facebook anymore? And then 3% on Instagram. I thought that was pretty interesting. Then again, I put so much out there that it's uh, it's just one of those things where you throw a lot of shit up against the wall. Some of it's going to stick. Here you go. Uh, you're in the top five most followed podcasts. I don't know what that means. 56%. What does that mean? I don't know. 69% of your listeners discovered me on, you know, 69% of my Spotify listeners discovered me in 2022. What do you know about that? And then we have this, which I thought was really cool, because I'm going to bring it up tonight with Judge Joe Brown. That is that my number one most listened to episode of 2022 was on April 6th, just a couple days after my birthday, 267% more streams than your average episode. That was a nice little ditty called Points of Order featuring Judge Joe Brown. What do you know about that? I thought that's really interesting. So tonight's guest is uh, is is on for the first time since April. Of course, a lot has happened in uh, in the world and our personal lives since then. And that was the uh, most well. Uh, who knows how Spotify works and how people find anything? But that's that's interesting. I like that. And then there's so much to do in the second half with the with the Alex Jones bit. Uh, we'll just take some calls and we'll see how everybody's feeling about things because there's so much, (laughs) really, really, really a lot. Uh, The one thing is interesting that I will say about Twitter and their, their trending section is that you know it's a little bit more authentic, a little bit more authentic, a little bit more tuned into what people are actually talking about now, and a little bit less fact checkers are behind the scenes pinning things to the top. I remember seeing these trending topics stick around on Twitter for like days, and sometimes they don't even have 10,000 people tweeting about them. So you know it's all artificial because that's not trending. That's just a, a minor conversation on an internet as big as it is. But now for about three or four days, Balenciaga's up there, and I'm sure all the Kanye and, and Alex Jones and all the Nazi and Jew conversations are going to be all over the place. That's going to stick around because everybody's using it. Everybody's everybody's sinking their teeth into that one. And that's part of the reason why I think the presentation was the uh, the worst part. Okay? Not that I care about um, any kind of controversial topic people want to talk about. I don't care how deep they want to go either. But um, who benefits who gets hurt the most? Those are the questions you should always ask when something like this is happening in a very public and divisive way. 
where everybody has to choose, choose what side you're on. Now, as far as what what Judge Joe Brown's going to talk about tonight, I don't know if he saw any of that stuff. And if it comes up, he brings it up, then 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 that'll be fine. But there's a lot of other things that I want to discuss with him, and that has to do a little bit more with us as a culture. Remember, he is a, a former American lawyer, criminal court judge from Tennessee, best known for his best hit, his hit. It, it was a hit. Television show, Judge Joe Brown, which I think he was on from like the late 90s until a little bit after 2010, 2011, something like that. But he was around for a while. And... um in recent years, he's just been making the rounds on tons of internet, radio, television, to just have discussions about current events, culture, and especially manhood and the masculinity crisis in the West. It has, it's, I mean, that, that, that relates to everything. Crime statistics, um, the, 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 the state of the family, the state of children, where, where's the man in the house? Where, how are children from all races, all, you know, how everybody's affected by this now. So interesting conversations we've had in the past, and I'm sure that tonight is going to be no different. And he's currently gearing up for a run for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee. So it'll be nice to talk to him for a third time in a row. And, uh, and there we have it. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on a really quick break, and when we come on back, we're going to have Judge Joe Brown on the show and ready to go. Don't go anywhere. I know for a fact that he's poisoned his own people. He doesn't believe in the worth of each individual. We must do everything we possibly can to stop the terror. Now watch this drive. <laughs> as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task 
of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Okay, so we are just a, I guess, a couple more minutes away from Judge Joe Brown coming. Remember last time, uh, I, <laughs> you guys and gals actually saved me uh, in a big way. I invited you all to call in and tell me what's on your your mind, and we may have to do that again because I think uh, I think the good judge showed up about a, an hour after. They're like around eight twenty instead of seven twenty. So if, if it has to come to that, it has to come to that. We'll just go to the Alex Jones thing if you want. But um, I, I got I to gotta talk to you all about um, that and more. So what I'm going to do is, in the meantime, to not even waffle at all, I'm going to go and open up the lines and just see how you've been doing because uh, our guests will be joining us. I've been talking to them all day, so it's going to be happening. Um, so whether it's just five minutes, 10 minutes, or 10 seconds, let's fill it up with some audience time. 914-595-6953. Let us know what your biggest takeaways from the day are. Just put them on the record. Put the thoughts on the record nice and quick. Put it in a nice, nice nutshell because you don't know how long you're going to have before I have to get off. And then uh, and then later on, we'll, we'll mix them all up and I'll have some reference of what you were thinking. You represent the audience right now, people. 914-595-6953. First one up is Chris from the Berkshires. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Frank. What's going on? What? Uh, real quick. just uh, One, I, I talked to you earlier about a couple, like a week ago, about how I was reading. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I was, I'm reading uh, The Manchurian Candidate right now, and there's references to Balenciaga in the book, actually. I just thought it was kind of funny. What kind of, what kind of references? Um, what kind of references? Just, I'm just, sorry? What kind of references? Is it just like character description, like somebody was wearing a pair uh, of shoes? or? Yeah, I, I think um, the, the main character's mother, who's like a uh, – she's basically like a, a newspaper mogul. She's uh, she's describing like the farmers, and they were like they're dressed as if they were in Balenciaga, and I was I just kind of thought it was funny that you know with everything going on right now that was that was there, but that's not really what I wanted to, to talk about. I just like I said I thought it was uh, interesting. I, I wanted to real quick get your opinion on this whole like China situation, and and I think we all understand that they have an immense amount of power and and, and a huge leash over our entire government and situation and, and entertainment, and if they were to go into some type of massive collapse, what what do you think that would lead to in this situation? In our situation, um, it's the idea of trying to fight two wars at the same time. Can they fight a war in their own place against their own people while trying to, to you know, bring resources into fighting the war that they have basically at their doorstep with the people basically, you know, in a slow wake up going on right now? And that's kind of what I really wanted to get your main opinion on. I don't know. You know, Chris... other than that, I want to. Okay. I'm sorry. And the last thing I'll say is I want to say thank you, and I can't be happier that I found your show, man. You you do rock. I share you with anybody that I can. Thanks so much. No, you've been you're you're a great caller. You're you're a great guy. You've been a great supporter of of all my work over here, and I really appreciate you, man. And I really appreciate that. You know, in times like this, when I have to open up the lines, you're one of those people that I know are probably going to come and uh, sweep on in. So thank you. Let me see though. Um, I, th there's a lot of there's a, there's aspects of that uh, that question I, I won't be able to answer 
that I I wish I I don't know maybe we have another talk about it. I've, who do we who do we bring up the, the 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 China question with recently? China and Taiwan. We were talking about Taiwan, but when it comes to this, first of all, you have to see just how easy it is for them to suppress whatever is happening in the streets right now. I mean, people are upset, but they're also unarmed. That doesn't stop people if they if they're if they're angry enough, especially a country as populous as the Chinese have over there. Uh, but they have a pretty populous army as well, and uh, communism doesn't care. So th- the ability for them to fight a uh, to fight and and to do and to take care of civil unrest at home and also swing wildly into the rest of the world. Just remember, she's they're not on their own. China would not be on their own in fighting some kind of an external battle elsewhere in the in the world. They wouldn't be. They have allies. There is a uh, there are there are growing military partnerships and growing um, geopolitical slash financial partnerships. So they aren't completely all, all on their own. As far as economic collapse goes, I would have to see. I would have to ask somebody who knows. My first question would be. Figuring out who is more financially beholden to whom. Which country? If China collapses, is that better for the United States? Are we, are we at this point, unfortunately, way too entangled with each other? Because we know that we get so much of our medication, our pharmaceuticals from China, so many other things. You know, uh, if China goes away as a trading partner, that's a lot of things. Now, I- I- in the long run, would it be good to not be uh, dependent on China? Uh, yeah, be, would be fantastic. Would be would be fantastic for sure. But uh, in the meantime, any kind of transition away from what we have right now would mean the deaths of millions of people. Because that's that's either that's either food, any other kind of resource, pharmaceuticals, you name it things that we would need some time to be able to make up the slack and become self-sufficient on. And of course, we're not self-sufficient. We don't have any real interest in being self-sufficient, it seems. You know, the, the one thing I was thinking about today when I'm looking at this damn, uh, this Milo and Kanye and Nick Fuentes thing playing out, obviously the one who loses the most out of all this is Trump because Kanye, he's not gonna be the president. He's not going to be the pro. What is this? Uh, was this a campaign stop today at Infowars? Was this a campaign stop? I mean, it was fascinating television. It was fascinating. It was provocative. It was uh, it was just an atom bomb. As far as impact goes, they broke the internet, as they say. That this was definitely one of those backbreakers of a days. Um. But, you know, when, when it comes to who loses, Trump loses that. And why? Well, how does this have to do with China? Well, you think about this other stuff. You think about where we are as a mindset. Joe Biden recently gave, like, I believe, diplomatic immunity to the Saudis over that Khashoggi guy. You know, the guy that everybody, the, the guy whose body the journalist whose body everybody tried laying at the feet of Donald Trump for being cozy with the the, uh, the Saudis because oh look how the Saudis do business uh, a, a journalist disappeared as if as if the you know the, the world isn't full of tyrannical governments and people don't disappear in the United States all the time you know 
so they they tried for three years. It was nonstop screeching about Jamal Khashoggi and how Donald Trump has blood on his hands and the Saudi this Saudi that. Joe Biden goes and gives diplomatic immunity to the uh, the Saudis over the death of Jamal Khashoggi, if that's his name, I for, keep forgetting, in order for them to up their oil production. There's another quid pro quo playing out right now. You remember before the election, it came out that the uh, that it was apparent the White House is trying to get them, the Saudis, to delay their oil cuts until after the midterms because if if we were deeper into an energy crisis... Going into the midterms, it would have been even harder for them to, uh, to to squeak out some votes. Well, well, not only did they give up the whole Khashoggi sanctimonious nonsense, that all being sanctimonious about his, his uh, demise, but they did it all to make sure that the Saudis put out more of that fossil fuel stuff that we refuse to go and do anything about here at home that can make us independent from the rest of the world. So we have no real no real uh, uh, real uh, evidence around of, of wanting to be independent free nation. So when it comes to China and transitions and who would benefit and who I don't know. I don't know. Maybe collapse is just the real the real um, the real objective no matter what. Think about that. Think about that though. All the screeching about a a Thanksgiving unannounced visitor, Kanye and his friends. Kanye and his friends show up to uh, Mar-a-Lago for a uh, a dinner, and um, and and this is it. You have Mitch McConnell out there with his turkey gobbler neck, talking about our oh, white supremacy. Anybody who uh, partners with that point of view will not be the president of the United States. So you got that going on. Meanwhile, there's another quid pro quo going on where you're trading a man's life that everybody was so concerned about for more fossil fuels and nobody's saying a goddamn thing. You want to see where everybody's mind's at. There you have it. All right, anyway, our guest is here, and let's just go jump right into the good stuff with him because it's going to be great to, to catch up. It's going to be good. All right, get that off the screen, and away we go. Hey, welcome back to the show, Judge Joe Brown. It's good to have you on. He's here. Hello, Judge Brown. Give us a second, ladies and gentlemen. So that was my thoughts about that. And thank you for the call, um, Chris from the Berkshires, and I see Megan Rivera there and a few others, and we'll get around to your calls in the second half, no doubt about it. So we're just trying to work on the audio over here right now, and we'll get to that uh, get to that shortly. I can't hear you. I see his mouth moving, but... If you go to the hold on, oh, hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, actually, I don't. I'm gonna have to troubleshoot this on the air with you. Oh, he's, uh, I can't hear you, Judge. Pretty much, uh, if you go down to the mute button, the bottom left-hand corner, 
the microphone, you hit that drop down, you hit your microphone, whatever, which one. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, give me a moment and we will, uh, we will be right back in a second. Listen to some nice, listen to some nice Christmas music. I hear you now. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, we are back. There you go. So that was it. That was nice. That was smooth enough. Welcome back to the show, Judge Joe Brown. How you been? All right. Been a while. I thought we were going on. Uh, I see what the problem is. I was taking our Eastern Standard Time. Oh, I thought, aren't we in the same East? Assuming that was Central. All right. Oh, I didn't know. I, you know, I'm so bad. When it comes no, to. No, we are not in the same thing. When, when it comes to Tennessee, Ohio. I'm in Memphis. Yeah, see, that's my problem. That's my problem. When it comes to Tennessee and Ohio and other places like that, it's just such a weird place in the country. It's always dancing between the two. But, you know, before you came on, I was talking to people. I had Spotify send me all of my statistics for 2022. And wouldn't you know it, Judge Brown, but your episode with me back in April, the last time you were on, was the most listened to episode of mine on Spotify this year in a huge way. So it's, all, it's great to have you here the day after. Two, two thumbs up. That's it. Yeah, and the last time you were on, you were telling us about your, uh, we have to talk about your barbecue, because the last time you were on, you were giving us a preview of that. It was still forthcoming. So we have to talk about that. We have to talk about oh, We've got barbecue and we've got more. You can get the barbecue at jjbbbq.com. It's good. Get yourself the three-pack. It's the most economical when it comes to shipping these days. jjbbbq.com. Judge Joe Brown Barbecue. Now, there's another jjb2023.com. I am running for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, next year so that is our site we just put it up this week there may be a bug or two in it but we're working it out jjb 2023 23.com jjb 2023.com I'm, Check it out. I'm glad you're bringing that up too because I do want to talk about your campaign for for mayor of Memphis. So that that's uh, that's something we got to talk about at some point before we get off tonight. But you know, I'm pleasantly surprised um, that we have been able to that you've been able to survive on Twitter. A lot of people have not been able to survive on Twitter, especially when they talk truth about what's going on in the world and the culture, especially when you talk about manhood and the uh, the the masculinity crisis. But it seems that we have passed a threshold on Twitter with this new management change that it seems a little bit more loose that we can we can operate a little bit more confidently uh, unless we're doing something you know really ridiculous but I have a legal question for you I want to start off with that I've been wondering about maybe you can have some insight on this let's say a person in Elon Musk's position they have to buy they go and they buy a company for 44 billion dollars and through the process of purchasing the company they express concern 
that the value is being overinflated and that user metrics are not authentic and all that stuff. Anyway, they complete the deal. They open the books. They open the code. They realize that they bought a drastically overvalued crime scene where you have election fraud implications, all that stuff. First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, electioneering. Now that the deal is done, does someone in Elon Musk's position have any legal recourse for restitution or otherwise? Well, there's always this phenomenon called fraud. There's fraud in the inducement, amongst other things. It can result in modifications of a contract situation, but does he want to do that? He would profit probably by showing that it existed, if such can be shown, because it gives... uh, something to the site that he has acquired next thing is some of the people that were counting on these ways around the first amendment who really won't ways around the first amendment who want to censor and suppress free speech They aren't too happy with it, and you can see everybody trying to target him, but I will tell you there are some concrete results. For years, they have refused to give me a blue check. Uh, Mr. Musk sent out a notice to the employees who were responsible for this. He said, you have until November 9th to come up with a correction for your blue check situation or you'll be fired well on november 11th i got my blue check after all those years so i've got a blue check and all of a sudden the following jumped up several thousand in just a few days so it does have its impact and we do see some things going on on that venue that were not allowed before which is just intelligent free speech See, the First Amendment was never intended to protect someone's feelings. It was to allow free and unadulterated discourse on all matters so that one could be an advised public and participate in our form of government. We have a situation now where everybody's talking about, oh, you can't shame anybody. You can't make anybody feel guilty. You hurt somebody's feelings. You expressed extreme dislike for someone. No, 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 no. But see, that's not the law. As long as you are not doing something like falsely yelling fire in a crowded theater that's like to lead to remote extreme public disorder as long as you're not doing something like obscenity or pornography and it's been so long since anybody tried to go against anybody for that it's almost dead you can see and hear practically anything and it's on children's cartoons stuff that 15 years ago you wouldn't have even thought about showing for adults until after 10 p.m and if you say something to defame somebody's character well you have the mechanism of a civil lawsuit but when you talk about defaming a person's character the truth is an absolute defense to any such action now 
some people wanted to turn that around and say, oh, it makes us feel uncomfortable to hear something contrary to what we would like to hear, so let's suppress it. But that's a very, very dangerous policy when you do that. That leads to fascism. That leads to oppression. That leads to totalitarianism. And I see entirely too much of it today. Now, I may not agree with what you say, but I will vigorously defend your right to say it, whether I agree with it or not, because that's how we are what we are here. It also leads... And, oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, it also leads to that disintegration of the natural order that you always talking about, too, because, you know, uh, Elon Musk, very rightfully, I, I think you've heard, you probably saw this headline recently, said that free speech is the fight for civilization itself. And obviously, the Bolsheviks, they, uh, they protest wildly because their worldview is a scam that requires censorship to even have it survive, basic scrutiny. So, um, I mean, and then when it comes down to, you said before, the kinds of things that are shown in children's programming that you didn't get for adults past 10 o'clock, about 15, 20 years ago, uh, this is all part of the suppression process when there's no, no way for people to see that, uh, that, that there's an objection somewhere when the objections are suppressed it also opens up avenues where people think that it's just okay and uh and nobody wants to go against the herd all right let me ask you a question yeah. when you were growing up as a kid you ever get taken to see cinderella or snow white or sleeping beauty anything like that well we had at that well we got to, yeah whenever like, yeah i mean we were Disney we were had the, these things since the 30s so right. did you ever see snow white and the prince passionately tongue kiss oh no in what you saw no no not All that right. well walt disney has had some children's cartoons or animations come out where the characters are lip locking and deep throating and all of this other stuff when did we start putting sex on children's programs? No. I, I, you see, that's where it's gotten to. So that just puts paid to the whole thing about porn and obscenity. I mean, what language is obscene now unless you're talking about you don't like somebody and then that's a hate crime. And by the way, hate crimes are very dangerous in a free society. I object to them as a former judicial officer for this reason. Um, if a person's dead, he's dead. So what makes one person more important than another person? So if you kill one guy because you don't like him, that's not as bad as killing another guy because you don't like him for a certain reason human is a human you take his life you take his life i look at it as kind of preposterous i see all of this blown up uh, attention to it but if somebody's getting life in the penitentiary without parole what are you going to do because he dislikes somebody intensely are you going to add extra time to life without possibility of parole what are you going to do keep his corpse in jail cell after he dies embalming him embalm him in there and leave him on view or if you have the death penalty what are you going to do dig him up and execute him again 
It just doesn't make any sense. See, this thing about us becoming too delicate is not good. When you have peaceful, prosperous times, you can have delicate people, and they can do what delicate people do to advance. Every now and then when it hits the fan or it's about to, you need a different kind of person. And that kind of person is not produced by concern for delicacy. Uh, mannerability is a good thing. Being polite is a good thing. Use of language in an appropriate place is a good thing. But when you start saying, it's not our language, it's not the appropriate place, you just can't express ideas if somebody's made to feel uncomfortable, then you are crossing a line because a lot of times people need to hear about things like that. I told a preacher about a month ago, would I come back to service? I said, no. Well, why not? I said, it's been 30-some years since I heard a preacher talk about sin. It's all about belief, but nobody says anything about inappropriate behavior. What's the matter with you? So preacher tells me, well, we can't because people would get up and walk out of the church. Well, let them get up and walk out of the church, but you become a bastion and a beacon for doing the right thing. You're supposed to preach about sin because people aren't behaving like they ought to. Why come to church if you are just going to enhance and condone wrong behavior? Yeah. Faith without works is not much faith, so works we consist of the behavior and then the other thing too i said when are you going to talk about this particular parable i'm waiting for a preacher to say that you can feed a man a fish or you can teach him to fish so he can feed himself why is everybody just talking about feeding them the fish and nobody's supposed to be encouraging people to do what they're supposed to do and what they ought to do instead of just what they want to do that's it. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money, a lot of power in being the fish giver. And that's uh, and that's that's what's you know, going back to what you were saying about even Disney uh, and, and those types of things that we see going around here. Um, and speaking of the difference between what we're going through right now, what we're experiencing right now on Twitter, as opposed to two months ago, uh, earlier on this year, they literally banned the word, the use of the word groomer to talk about grooming in a multimedia sense where you ask the question, well, yeah, we, we knew that the princesses and the princes, they got together and, and they became the kings and the queens when we were reading all of our fairy tales. But there was no graphic sex. There was no implication, nothing like that. Um, when, when you make fringe or even just normal adult relationship material, something you forced onto children and to remove all that those uh, those last pieces of childhood you're grooming them for something you're getting them ready for something that they were not ready for in many cases and they just uh, they just said no you, you can't even discuss this which means allow us to continue going and another thing you said about uh, hate crimes we just had that club Q shooting that nobody's talking about anymore now that we learn that the shooter is supposedly non-binary at this point. Non-binary. When, non when that came out, yeah. when that came out, most people that were trying to make sense of this on CNBC and all the big networks, they were saying to themselves, I think that he's just doing this to escape a hate crime charge. And I'm thinking to myself, he killed five people. What does a hate crime label have to do with anything? He's not, what, you think he's not going to go 
go to jail because he it's just the the, the fact that that was the the impetus was on hate crime when five people are dead is just it's mind-boggling well yes i tell you something about the grooming the real dana and i were hosting a twitter space maybe two or three weeks ago and uh there was a troll that came on there now i don't know what he or she is it's one of those uh choice of pronoun types and we had some other people that jumped on and I was checking their sites, and I thought maybe they were going to join him, but they just cut him up. Their title, Gays Against Groomers. Mm. And they said they did not like that at all. So it's not just whether you're heterosexual or homosexual. It's what value do you put on children i don't care heterosexual or not you have no business trying to recruit seven eight nine ten year olds into sexuality because that's too early for them to know homosexual you don't have any business trying to recruit them in there so why are we trying to be so I don't even want to use the term now because it's gotten kind of old politically correct by saying that's what they want to do. Let them do their thing. No, you protect children. You see, you don't allow these kind of things to happen. There's this thing called decency. There's this thing called decorum. I mean, I'm not getting on what people do in their bedrooms. Hell, get your freak on in your bedroom. That's your business. But hands off to children. And how about a little bit of you know, is there no place off limits these days for somebody who might not want to see certain things? You know, there used to be a warning system, uh, general audiences, PG, R, X-rated. But nowadays, they don't have that. And you might be highly offended by something, but you walk into a movie and you're totally unaware of it when, bam, no warning. It's out there. Now, I've seen some pretty horrible things. I remember a federal trial I had when I was the defense lawyer. We had to sit through almost a month worth of looking at some film after film of pornography, which most of it was boring. Some of it was downright detestable when you got into necrophilia. Yeah. Uh. And the snuff films where they'd seized this from some of the defendants and they were people actually getting killed in these things. I mean, yeah, that's disgusting and way out of line. But I've seen a lot of stuff. But just some of what they, I mean, me, that's me. But a lot of people wouldn't like seeing this stuff. So can't you give them any warning? But, yeah, you know? Oh, yeah. And one other thing I've noticed over the last 50 years is this glorification of dysfunction. Now, 40 years ago, I represented a lot of pimps and prostitutes, dancers. Hell, I wound up being on retainer to some strip clubs when I was practicing law. 
And I know what time that is. And then I look at stuff like, what is the name of it? P-Valley, where you try, they try to glorify this. And it's like, wait a minute. This is, no, uh-uh. And I've had friends say, can you please talk to my granddaughter about this? She wants to, what? Where'd you get this? P-Valley. What the devil is P-Valley? And then I looked and I said, oh, wow, what is this? And see, I used to have clients who would perform just around the corner from where P-Valley is supposed to be located down in Mississippi. They'd come up to Memphis and it'd circulate to the underground in Atlanta and then go down to Dallas and Houston and other places. And that's just not something that you need to try to glamorize for young women or girls to ideate about getting into. It's not what, well, it's not something nice. So I'm looking at this glamorization, and I said, this has been going on for 50 years where they take these things that are not good and they try to turn it into something exciting when the truth is, is most of the time it's sorted. Uh, your client who runs the club is asking you to come down and can you please get an arrangement made to get a relative or the friend girl of this dancer to go pick her up and she's leaned against the wall, doesn't even know what day of the week it is and drooling all over the place because she's bent out of shape or a girlfriend is stealing most of her money and trying to get her high. I mean, it's it's not pretty. No. Not no. at all. But they've tried to glamorize it. So that's just stuff I, like that. I or have something on dealers. that. Drug dealers used to be the bad guys. Now the hero is a pimp, a gangster, a murderer, a thief, a drug, a kingpin. He's a burglar. And that's not what we ought to be pushing for kids to focus on. See, kids look at the movies and they try to model themselves after what they see in the movies because it's larger in life and it's up there on the big screen. And children around the world have been ideating and copying what they see in the movies for more than a hundred years. And here we go, instead of giving them heroes and sheroes, we give them the most reprehensible types in the world. And look, this is the good guy in the movie. You need to be like him. And they glamorize it and you know, this everybody whole, that's decent is incompetent. The, I, I'm glad you said that too, because you know it's not even just what I've what I'm I've noticed. Uh, Judge Joe Brown is that uh, it's not even just for children. This happens. I had somebody uh, close to me say, "Hey, uh, you you, get, you should check this out. Maybe you'll think it's funny." And I said, "Well, what it is? What, what is it?" And it was a a, a stage play. It was, you know, it was, it was DVR, and I didn't go to a theater or anything like that. It's a stage play, but it's it's supposed to be Cindy Lou Who from The Grinch Stole Christmas, who, you know, she's all grown up. I said, let me guess. She's a degenerate drunk. All this other stuff is going wrong. It, it, and, you know, it, it, I was spot on. Cindy Lou Who had, had some kind of a, a sordid relationship, sexual relationship with The Grinch at one point afterwards. Everybody is all messed up. They're, they're late on rent. They don't have steady jobs. They're drunk all the time, completely perverted. And, and this is for parents, too. And I, I don't think, I feel like the, um, the inversion game 
when it comes to media is so sloppily done and it's just so cheap um and and it's for everybody because if the children are getting it the parents are getting it then it's supposed to be some kind of acceptable form of satire but really it's grooming all along the, the way and um We've been getting a lot of those insights into Hollywood, and I'd love to ask you some more questions about that because, I mean, you, you had a, uh, a number one television show for years, so I'm sure you can give us some insight into how the, um, the industry works. Um, the oh, I sure can. I quit. Reason I quit, I just said, I've done this 15 years. I'm over retirement age. I'm tired of this. For uh, year after year, Month after month, week after week, day after day, I had a battle with this is going to be done the real way, not the Hollywood way. I was possessed of a 23-page written opinion by the California Supreme Court that said if they didn't do it the way I required, they could all go to jail. So every now and then when they'd get out of hand, I'd say, I think you need to read page such and such out of that opinion. Now, I'm telling you, we're not going to do it that way, and they'd want to get all riled up. I remember early on in the thing, I think it was in year two, there was this little 23-year-old file clerk, and she had moved up to being an executive in two weeks. She had one year of junior college, which is nothing wrong with that, but she comes over, stomps her foot, and says, you are not going to rule like that again on a case. I said, well, I'll tell you what, that's not going to happen. Don't come over here and make this presumption. You obviously haven't read what I submitted to the people that came out of the California Supreme Court, so I'll show you something else. Call security, remove her from the lot. We don't start back until she's gone. <laughs> and it's like, don't you dare set foot over here with that attitude and try to deal with what's going on. I said, now, uh, you find me as you find me, but for, I got elected to two eight-year terms as a state criminal court judge in Tennessee, and when I walked into the room, everybody stood up, and you still try to do that when I go out there and you're trying to tape it, but serious business. Uh, ain't gonna happen no how no way are you gonna come over here and stomp your foot and tell me about your Hollywood way this is the real deal we're doing binding contractual arbitration under the U.S. Arbitration Act of 1928 now get out of here and go tell that fool that sent you over here uh, what he can do with himself mm. so that well, let me still 13 more years before I left, but I had to deal with that. I can imagine. And, you know, the, here's the other thing, too. Uh, in, in past years, I have spent a lot of time with guests and all that because you come up in conversation just, uh, you know, casually over here because you you have talked about a lot of different types of things that we do, like rabbit hole subjects. Uh, Martin Luther King, of course, the assassination, uh, uh, the 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 intelligence the kind of the incestuous nature between uh, presidents, new and old, the CIA, things that really make up the world that we live in today, but, you know, that, that average people don't know about. So we know that you know what time of day it is. 
And especially when it comes right now with what we're looking at in, in the celebrity circles, the more noticeable changes I've seen lately on these sites like Twitter is that it's been it's inspired people to talk a little bit more freely about Hollywood, uh, demoralization, child abuse, mind control, especially especially when it comes to people like Dave Chappelle or Kanye West, um, and when it comes to career-ending accusations of even things like anti-Semitism. Now, um, having the uh, like I said before, you having this kind of insight, just the general knowledge, but also working knowledge. What can you tell us about the nature of the industry, its cultural objectives, and the price of fame for being to being able to All maintain right. fame? Okay, some of the people that you see don't associate socially with Hollywood. They stay away from it. Some others jump into it. But let me say this about the long-term thing. You ever heard of Shirley Temple? Yes. Okay. The late Shirley Temple. Do you know what her agency's name was? No, I don't. Kitty porn. I straight up. I didn't know that. I was the actual name of the agency. That's been a problem with Hollywood for a long time. The primary problem. You have adults who spend the entirety of their adult lives dealing with fantasy and make-believe. There's a lot of money involved, and work is hard in one way and not very hard in another. I mean, I know what I used to do, work 40, 50 uh, hours a week on a minimum, 60, 70 hours past that to do what I did, and that was hard. And I've loaded trucks, dug ditches, and been on construction crews and things like that in life. Run playgrounds, been a school teacher, a whole lot of things. Now, that was hard. First, I started with this show. We were in downtown Chicago by the canal, and they had traffic blocked off and all these people watching from the windows. And I had some lines like, this is Chicago, my kind of town, a tough town, a Judge Joe Brown kind of town. And all these people were looking at me, and I'm going, oh, this is really weirding me out. All right, cut, cut. We got a little noise down there. Bird flew through. Let's do this again, blah, blah, blah. This felt so stupid and foolish to me. I mean, it's like, what in the devil am I doing out here dealing with this rank stupidity? It was, it took me a while before I could get over the personal embarrassment. Now, that was hard for me. But in the scheme of things, that's nowhere near the hard work that most average Americans do to earn a living. And what you got paid for doing that was just obscene. They should have been paying doctors and scientists and people like that, that kind of money. But that wasn't what was going on. These people do these things. They have always wanted to be the actor or the singer or the performer or whatever it may be. 
and they get into it at an early age before they're fully adult for the most part and they cut corners they try to jump start careers and they go on and on and on with make-believe until the make-believe becomes a reality and then you have the thing now where hollywood itself has morphed into something poisonous it used to be you had producers and directors and the people that were writers they'd hang around with the longshoremen down at the docks and go to the speakeasies and the bars that the real guys hung out with and they could mix it up and get in fist fights and things like that and now what we have is five-star hotel restaurant or five-star hotel and bar and these guys are sitting on the leather couches jamal have you had that is a thing afoot down there and uh, somewhere in South Central about such and such. Oh, yes, I think I have. Alan, have you heard that? You know, and they have no touch with reality, but they put this fantasy about reality up there on the screen, and in a few weeks, people start thinking that's real. Even the people that they're trying to falsely portray think that's real, and they start trying to emulate it. Mm. And it's just a negative feedback situation. It's a negative dialectic descent into hell because you're still getting away from these things of when you tell a story, you're supposed to say something about human nature, whether it's Shakespeare, Greco-Roman play, John Wayne, or Sidney Poitier in a movie, it doesn't make any difference. Al Pacino doesn't make any difference. You have a message where your story says something about human nature, and the story has a message about it. Uh, I won a $100,000 bet with 10 executives at Paramount one time. I bet each of them 10 grand. And what it was is I would pick the hits and the flops the next 10 shows they came up with how did you do that i said well it's easy enough when i got the chance to preview them i just looked at the ones that had something worthwhile to say and what the subject was and too many of them that you put out have no message it's just oh my god the lighting's fantastic who cares oh they just had this interesting dialogue to what effect Oh, my God, the story was so fascinating. Why? And uh, since only two of these ten movies that you put out had anything to say, the rest of the eight that I picked as flops were flops, and the two that had something to say didn't have that much. Now, they've got a thing called Black's List, which there's a African-American guy named Black, and about 20-some years ago, he came up with this list, Black's List, and what it was supposed to be is each of the studios would send the top scripts that they had been exposed to during that year and put them on Black's List. Well, in all of this time, there's been only one movie on Black's List that wasn't the flop. And interestingly enough, that was one char starring Will Smith. It was called Hancock, where he was a god and his ex-wife 
a goddess who was white uh, had drifted off from him when he suffered amnesia after a beating after they got too human. I remember and, that. I remember uh, that one. Yeah, that was the only one that was not a complete flop out of all these years of the studio's best scripts. And that was, um, I can't remember her name. I'm not a fan of hers because of some of the things she's done with children. But speaking of, um, speaking of children, though, you know, on, on this on this uh, this point right here, just last week, Disney had to they had to report a one hundred forty seven million dollar loss on another LGBT children's film that they an animated film that they put like 180 million dollars into it nobody went to go see it uh but it doesn't matter I, sometimes i feel like these the the loss in money that that if they can get at least two big hits a year or it, some money is unimportant it's it completely because the message money is unimportant to it's Hollywood. the message what you're saying it's unimportant no they have an agenda yeah Way they started getting used to getting away with the agenda because the West Germans were sinking a lot of money in Hollywood. But when they the wall came down, they started putting the money in Germany instead of into Hollywood. And by the turn of the century, the money had dried up, and Hollywood had a penchant for wasting time. I mean, I've been on movie sets where everybody is just fiddling around for two hours at a time trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, movies don't even have scripts sometimes. They just have suggested lines of dialogue for the actors to ad lib. I remember one movie that I was a consultant for. It had to do with courts, and nobody had a script. They had suggested dialogue. They wrote as they were going along. Nobody had read the book, and quite frankly, I just sat there and was reading the book, Judge, what's happening next? Well, so-and-so goes up the staircase and almost falls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh, all right. So this waste of time morphed into something where they didn't have all that money, but they still aren't driven by business. A lot of what they do is driven by agenda because Hollywood has an enormous cash flow but often very little cash on hand. They do a lot of reciprocity. They do a lot of trade. They finagle things. And if you notice when you go to a movie now, you see multiple studios involved in this project because they split the cost and the risk. Now, that's just the way they operate. They have an agenda. Now, Walt Disney has a real problem. Walt Disney and ABC 2011 got whacked across the head by Crowbar. You remember this series, So You Want to Be a Millionaire? Yes. ABC and Disney were behind that, and they just ranked out the production crew and the writers and everybody, so those guys sued them. Well, they won in California courts, Disney and ABC took it all the way to the California Supreme Court where the plaintiffs won, and Disney and ABC went through the federal courts. They got to the Ninth Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit was interesting in their opinion. It starts off, says, this industry is singular, 
in its failure to understand the first rule of American contract law, colon, all parties are expected to deal with each other in good faith, period. We shall fix that, period. And then they go on, and instead of the six, seven, eight million dollars that were being requested, they busted them with five hundred and seventy million dollars for the full nine-number panel, and the Supreme Court denied any cert on that. So ABC and Disney didn't have cash on hand to pay it off, so the plaintiffs put liens on ABC property all over the country and on Disneyland, Disney World, and Disney property. And what they did was predictable. They came up with Black Panther, the movie, uh, designed to appeal to black audiences because they needed cash flow to pay down some of the interest. Wakanda 2 was put out using the same formula to get more cash on hand to pay down a mother, another portion of the interest before the plaintiffs were allowed to levy and execute on Disney and ABC property. As it is, it's quite likely that the income for a lot of rides at Disney World and Disneyland are going to pay down the interest that has accrued so you see when you get situations like that there are things behind the scenes that the public doesn't get these people i the show was with paramount which is a viacom affiliate for some years before it went to cbs which is also viacom and i'd wander around in headquarters just walk over there hell my picture was on a wall on the studio so well nobody was going to stop me and I'd just pause outside of an open door and listen. And they would run these formula down as to how they were going to get this money from this demographic and that demographic and how they'd come up with a movie that would appeal to these audiences when they needed cash. So you always had to have a contract agreement that allowed you to inspect their books, but you had to have a hundred, couple of hundred grand uh put away so you could conduct the audit, take several years to do that, and have lawyer crews on staff threaten to sue them because this they cheat. They this sounds like hell. Ever stuck by the rules, and they'd steal, and they'd lie, and they'd conceal. And if anybody's listening and wants to get into it, the only way to get yourself a good chance of getting what you want is a percentage of the unadjusted gross from the first dollar with a right to inspect and audit their books, though they will probably not agree to you seeing their tax documents. But that's the only way to get any fair shake. And what they usually do is when and you didn't comply with the contract, they said, well, okay, we didn't, but the next contract will make it up to you. And then what you want if you're trying to get into it is a non-refundable cash advance on the bonuses and such like and performance uh, incentives. So it's a corrupt industry. And that then sounds if you like get hell. into it, watch yeah, and then watch out for it. They have a very disgusting habit of when they sell something, they'll bundle it. They'll take four losers and one winner and put them into a group of, say, five, and they'll sell the five as a collective, 
And then since four of them are losers, what they do is they say, well, no, you're not entitled to this as percentage of your gross because it went to five shows. You're only entitled to one-fifth when actually if you broke it down, this one show that they have that's the hit is responsible for four-fifths of the income that came in. So they pull all kinds of tricks on you. And, and, and then that's exactly... It's unholy. Oh, and unholy. And that's not even... We're not even talking about the psychological, cultural subversion uh, uh, agenda, which you talk about all the time. We're denigrating right. the man and, and just... So the, the finances behind the cultural subversion is really like hell. That is just... I, I, uh, right. Uh, one of the things is they are firmly committed to attempting to get the public to think that masculinity is per se toxic. What is toxic is the lack of masculinity because masculinity are those things you put in a boy's head so when he's grown, he feels extremely guilty and he feels shame if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do or he does something that he's not supposed to do. So guilt and shame are good, but, you know, oh, my God, we can't have shaming. Oh, my God, guilt is so horrible, you made someone feel guilty. Well, guilt and shame are good. That's how you control people, not by some outside totalitarian something controlling them, but you teach them values and principles and standards. You teach them right and wrong. And you get most of us to make that part of our makeup. So we cause ourselves to be about public peace, dignity, and order. So we make where we live a better, safer, more secure place filled with economic prosperity, sense of purpose, morality and ethics we can be brave and courageous when necessary but we are men and women of peace otherwise and they are not doing that because it's your feelings even star wars i'm a fan of star wars trust your feelings let your feelings guide you luke you know we don't even have that kind of thing talking about be what you should be. I got a standing ovation one time. I spoke to about 250 members of the U.S. Army's Corps of Engineers. Uh, I think it was Veterans Day of the day, week of, and I said, you've got your slogan wrong. You should not have it as be all you can be because you can be a damn fool. Be all you ought to be. And I got a standing ovation from the officers and non-coms who were there. You see, that's how things slip in to our lexicon and we forget what we're talking about. Is that is when you, before you you mentioned that uh the shit was going to hit the fan um as it's it, I believe that it's going to hit the fan as well too, but I'm always interested in your in your take on things. Um how, how do you see that happen? What kind, what do you think that we have to atone for as a planet and as a civilization? And is what you're talking about right now that um, that uh, that subversion culturally is that the reason why we're gonna we're gonna feel what we gotta feel? Yes and no. There is a thing that keeps us in a bad position. It's called the sacred cow syndrome. 
Now, I'm not getting on anybody's circumstances, but I am. Let's take India. India has problems with massive protein deficiencies. All right. You don't want to eat animals, but you can get protein from vegetable matter. You can have legumes and stuff like that. Some plants are high in protein, but you need arable land to grow these plants. You don't grow these plants on arable land because you need pasture land to feed the cow. The cows are sacred, so people can't eat the cow or partake of the milk of the cow unless you are part of the Brahmin caste. So people are suffering from protein deficiencies, but you have these cows that you deem sacred, so you do not use the land that you need to grow the sacred cows on to grow people food on. So because of a lot of things we hold sacred, we can't move beyond that. Like in the United States, uh, we've got this sanction against using uh, stem cells. They may have changed it recently, but to a great extent, law-limited research to seven strains of stem cells that over the years have, they fizzled out. They aren't as strong as they used to be, these strains. Now, what does that mean? Well, diabetes type 1 and type 2 are bad prop in the United States. In the People's Republic of China, where they've had no problem at all with getting fresh stem cells, you can go over there and for about a quarter of a million dollars and about a week worth of your, a month worth of your time, they will infect you with a genetically engineered virus, which will alter your gene code, and then they will give you a stem cell treatment regime that will allow your body to have what it's needed, what it needs to use your new gene code to make yourself into something that does not suffer from diabetes, either type 1 or 2. It's a 99% effective cure, not treatment, but you can't get that here. The process started in the U.S., but because of American laws, it moved overseas. Now it's in China. And you can go to Hong Kong or Singapore and get the treatment. But you can't in America. See, that's another one of these things about your beliefs control a lot of what you do. And nowadays, I never hear anybody say you're supposed to be rational, reasonable, analytical, and uh, critical. It's about beliefs. I don't like what he says, but I respect his beliefs. It's my belief that, well, I want to hear your opinion because you see, if your opinion is shown to be wrong based on better information analysis, experiment, uh, new information, you can modify an opinion. But you see, your belief may be based on something bes besides reality. People used to believe firmly that you couldn't go but so far because you'd fall off of the edge of the flat earth. That's been debunked, but there's still people that we call flat earth types because they have these belief systems 
that they are passionately into. And modifying somebody's belief can often be difficult because they've got a lot of emotional and personal energy and essence invested in it. Whereas an opinion, it's another thing. I see this a lot when it comes to discussion and discourse with college students or even lawyers, young lawyers now. They're deep into this belief, and they can't argue because the belief has become personal rather than an objective matter. So the argument or the debate turns into a fight rather than a discussion tool to arrive at a synthesis of what's being said. Can you put holes in the position? If you can put holes in them, either patch them or modify the position. But you can't put holes in a person's belief because the belief is not predicated on a demonstrable fact for the most part. So you see these fights that go on. And that's what keeps us, uh, that you believe, that is, well, to believe, <laughs> you, do you foresee that being the main contributing factor to us not being able to yeah, uh, miti- mitigate problems? It's the- our sacred cows. Right. Yeah, belief gets us places, but belief can hold us back. It depends on what you believe in. Do you believe in empiricism, whereas we should experiment? leave this to the spiritual thing but in the real world what are we going to do with this i used to run a counseling session for professionals who dealt with science and technology every day in their day-to-day careers but they didn't believe in it and science and technology was sort of like the rules of a video game you know if you eat five corns you get three extra lives well that's not how the real world works but it works for that game so they treat what they deal with on a daily basis as the rules of some arcane game that they don't even believe in so they get all conflicted i used to well anyway it's one of the things i did how do we get away from the rationalization that we put in place that cripples us and to a rationalization that uh, allows us to not hold on to our opinions with a tight grip such that we cannot be shorn of them without a personality disaster? You, um, And I'm not... No, and this, that's where we started with with this conversation. Actually, when you think about it, with hate speech and and with people seeing reality in different ways, we've been so incredibly balkanized that I often think about that too. When I try to think about where we go in five to ten years from now, obviously I'm no soothsayer, but I have to imagine it's going to be a little bit more of a complex trek for us when each nation doesn't even doesn't have anything that we used to have as core values shared everybody always has differences of of opinion but uh, there was a time i i don't remember too much of it but after after or around 9-11 was the last time i felt a real kind of uh you know we're all on the same team kind of unity. They tried to do that again with COVID response with the we're in this together bullshit, but obviously that wasn't felt by anyone. But we don't have that core, that that thing that tethers us together anymore, no matter what it is. We are, we're losing it. For example, 
when I was in elementary school, junior high, and high school, we got physically tested on a regular basis, and there were passing scores and scores that weren't that your coach or gym teacher was going to push you harder so you passed. These kids don't even have to go to gym class. Nine one one hit. And the military still couldn't get its quota of recruits because they simply couldn't pass the test. There used to be a basic assumption that if you could pass the raw medical test, your heartbeat, you know, blood pressure, visual acuity were over a certain level. They could put you in a boot camp, train you up in six to eight weeks, and you'd be able to pass the physical test and go from there. Now there is no such assumption in the whole recruitment process. Essentially, the re would-be recruits have to get themselves in shape and pass physical tests that are basically what would have been passed at the end of boot camp years ago. Now they have to pass those tests before they get inducted. Uh, 2011, the Pentagon issued a series of white papers where they were alarmed at the reduction in the number of functional fathers in American society and the illegitimacy rate that they were looking at. And they reflected that that in touched on a certain thing. They said, we can get you physically fit, but we can get you physically fit, but we can't get you mentally tough because you weren't raised right. And I see that now in young guys, they're so soft. Everything hurts them. I mean, again, back to this thing with speech, like I said before, we used to do what we called run the dozens in elementary, junior, and high school. We'd talk about each other's mamas and all kinds of other stuff. Now kids run off crying and snot running all out of their nose because somebody – talked about somebody's mama <laughs> where do you go with this i don't even try I, and to be honest i don't even it's been a long time but i know my i know a lot of my friends i would never joke around like that with anybody though i don't have any anything in me if it ever came to that we i i, I could handle it but i just know people are very touchy very moody and uh i, I wouldn't it just wouldn't go there anymore and um what the hell? I don't know. It, the fragility is nuts. Are you bringing any of this kind of mindset to your your run? Uh, let's talk a little bit about your, your run. Oh, for yes, I am. See, in other words, what has happened in Memphis that reflects what's happened elsewhere is there's too much of a sense of entitlement. Somebody will take care. The public has been inured to being personally responsible. And what I'm trying to do is say, I'm going to be the mayor so you can take charge of your city. You want to run it because you don't know where it's going right now because it's not going where you think it ought to go. You can't drive down the streets. Your cars are not safe mechanically because of so many potholes in the streets. You can't rely on your power and utilities because the utilities have been allowed to decay in terms of their infrastructure. The employment situation's bad because people are not paying attention to that because nobody who's supposed to be running the place is really interested in running it for your benefit as a public service. They're simply looking at the position as a way to get rich from what they can get from the taxpayers and to get their cronies in a position to get richer.
One of the worst things I'm noticing as I've gotten into it over the years is this trend that cities have where they sell various assets to private businesses, not all private businesses, just some that are well connected. And then the city leases what used to be its own property back from these people. They pay these people money. The money goes to the individuals who voted to sell the property to the individuals. Memphis just had a thing where in downtown Memphis, they sold 25 acres of land to a developer for just 600K. I mean, that's millions of dollars worth of property developed. Hmm. Uh, somebody's talking about spending a quarter of a billion dollars of the city's tax dollars to guess what? Finance the renovations for a major international hotel. Why? Let them spend it. Uh, somebody's talking about we want to take what is a large, large public park, a fairground, and take a decrepit football stadium and change it to a soccer arena, gate the whole thing, put in a few select individuals in here who can live and spend three quarters of a billion dollars on that. We want to take another thing and take the 600,000 uh, we got for 25 acres of downtown property, 25 acres, and turn it into 28 luxury units and some uh, boutique shops for a few, but the taxpayers are supposed to spend almost a quarter of a billion dollars for that. You're already at a billion and a half dollars right there, and the potholes need fixing. The uh, utility infrastructure needs fixing. You need people to deal with uh, what's happening with the pensions for the firemen and the police and the city workers of all just evaporated because the money is going elsewhere. We had one situation where years ago, just to show how this is in simplified form, there was a new housing development, which the state law required the developer to donate land for a wider road of a certain minimum width and pay for the road construction himself. But what happened is the city exercised eminent domain, paid him for it, and built it instead of requiring that the developer build it. There was a right-angled uh, corner with a stop sign on it. The city sold that stop sign in that little small corner to a private developer for $13,600, and less than two months later, he sold it back to the city for almost $7 million. Wait, wait, wait. He sold so, so he, he sold, sold a stop stop sign? What are, what are you talking about? Somebody yeah. just had a little... In other words, the city sold this guy a stop sign in the corner it was on. Less than two months later, he sold it back to the city for millions of dollars. Now that got changed into a rounded yield uh, curve, and now they put a roundabout in there. So it's like, granted, it's been 34 years ago, but that's a prototype for what you see. So now, Memphis, why is it that we get ripped off like that? There's lots of money, but we don't get a chance to use it. Other thing. They're talking about buying energy from TVA that we use their nuclear facilities, fossil fuel, 
or do we buy it from this guy who's a friend of the congressman in the Ninth Circuit so we can pay him the money and everybody gets a huge utility bill, or do we do this? You've got the Mississippi River. You don't need to build a dam like Hoover Dam at the end of the Colorado complex where you provide power over the spillway all the way as far as Los Angeles. You've got the mighty Mississippi that's going nowhere. You have modular hydroelectric generators that are set up for tidal conditions but can easily be adapted for the one-way current of this huge river that's got a channel 120 feet deep in places, and you've got a mile and a half or two miles across the bloody doggone thing where you can run the generators on barges, towed, tethered, and you can raise them up and down for maintenance, and you can get the energy out of them. You can have requirements that any new commercial construction have solar array farms built into the business, or if you get uh, zoning variances to modify existing commercial structures, you have to do this. All this money they've been sinking into just a few people getting the money under and above the table and going back to certain elected officials, you could use that to subsidize the people into putting solar arrays to feed directly into the net for the hydroelectric generators to feed directly into the net. What do you do when you exceed capacity? Do you need to store it? No, you don't because you see you can sell that stuff from New Orleans to Louisville to Chicago to Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Michigan. You, you see, you, you see. see, you've got all of these opportunities. What you're bringing up for me, and I and uh, and see, I hope that anybody in this audience who's living in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, does the right thing and and considers you for the job because what i have learned right now is that memphis is just as messed up as every other city in the uh, in the country so i'm glad we have that in common but it's also it also just goes to show how much opportunity it is for people locally in local governments to do really really special things to to work with other states and other cities and create econ- these little economies that have nothing to do with with uh, federal overreach in DC people think i i i think uh, people are so drunk off of this idea that uh, the federal government is the be-all, end-all, because nobody knows what federalism is anymore, that what you're talking about right now is like speaking Chinese. Nobody, People probably don't even think that there's any real authority for people, for uh, uh, mayors and city councils on this kind of scale with these projects to even be seized. And uh, it's really, it's hey, great. Yeah. Yeah, you. one of the problems is is the people that are running for mayors and city council, they aren't really qualified for the position. I always wanted to. Well, you're only 34 years old. What experience do you have in life? How many bills have you paid? How many mortgages have you paid off? How many kids have you had to take off work because they're sick? Uh, how many days have you really not wanted to go to work but went anyway and these kind of things? How many people do you know that you've had to attend their funerals? You see, these kind of things don't enter into the equation because we keep talking about new and improved instead of efficient. How about experienced, knowledgeable, efficient, and capable? How about the new and improved is just new and not necessarily improved? 
we got a situation here, for example, there was a woman. She put her husband through law school. She had children. She decided to go to law school. She graduated, turned 30, young person. That was a requirement for you had to be over 30 to be a state judge. She got sworn into the bar, and four days later, she got sworn in as a Superior Court Circuit Court trial judge. First time she ever stepped foot in a courtroom was the day she became the judge of a courtroom, four days after being sworn into the bar, not even six months out of law school. To make matters worse, she got made a federal judge within two years of graduating from law school. Hmm. Okay, somebody else came in, was made a district attorney, appointed by the governor. I was a criminal court judge then. He was two and a half hours late. Why? He'd never been to the criminal courthouse in his life. He didn't know where it was. They had to go get him and bring him. <laughs> now, you got a DA. He's never been in front of a jury of any kind never handled a criminal case, didn't even know where the criminal courthouse was. Now, I mean, you see, this guy, and that was years ago, and it's gotten worse. Um, what are you putting in place? One of the problems with American justice right now is whereas members of high courts had been governors, senators, congressmen, mayors, had been elected to office, been wise and experienced in the ways of the world and learned in the practice of law. They had seen juries, had people, real people across the desk. Now they come out of academia where everything's theoretical or they've dealt with corporate law and they don't have any real live clients. And they get in and they don't know what to do. I'll give an example. Hmm. 30 years ago, there is no way in the world that the U.S. Supreme Court would have issued a decision like the one dealing with Roe v. Wade before a midterm election. They would have simply issued a statement. This is too inflammatory, whatever we do. This will be delayed until after the election, so the application of the law does not impact the outcome. Um, when that tentative brief was released somebody's heads would have rolled right and head would have rolled that i just said what in the world's going on nobody went after this somebody should be in jail for this but it wasn't so and they, still still nothing i've never seen such political naivety as this supreme court illustrated by issuing the opinion they issued when they issued it and I think that's probably why the midterms weren't as bad for the Democratic Party as predicted, and that's because you galvanized a significant number of their supporters and followers behind a single issue. And aside from the fact that it did not outlaw abortions, it simply said it's no longer protected. And that was just... Whoa, how naive are you? See, well, we've got too many people 
in these positions who've never had a client sitting on the other side of a desk. We've got a new Supreme Court member who says she doesn't know how to define a woman and what a woman is. She could have said, I'm a woman. Well, you know. Uh, She could have said, you know, I mean, but what is that indicative of? Is that a signpost to somebody that, hey, this is somebody that's being recruited to protect your interest, especially rather than the interest of overall society. I mean, that's the way politics goes. But are you that naive as to not be able to conceal that from discernment? What's going on here? It's a it's another one of those situations, Judge Joe Brown, that I think uh, I think. I think colors in the whole potential shit hit the fan scenario where everybody is uh, is attached to certain beliefs, everybody has certain limitations, and we're intellectually balkanized to the point where we now have Supreme Court justices who can't even tell you definitively what a woman is, and not even necessarily because she doesn't know, but because she doesn't want to cross certain cultural ideological lines that she knows she's uh, uh, you know allied with, and. Um, that's where we have it. So I, I want to thank you again for being uh, being on. I, I'd ask you to come by every month, but I know you're a busy guy. Um, I would love to have you on again before your election, especially because I wanna I want to get you out to all of our friends in Tennessee for sure. But um, it, uh, please leave everybody with your your uh, official website again for the campaign and uh, anything else you want to leave people with for the holidays. Okay, it's Judge Joe Brown, 2023. So we don't use the Judge Joe Brown. We just use JJB. So it's JJB2023.com. And if you want to enjoy some snack while you are thinking about things, go to (laughs) JJBBBQ.com and get yourself some of this great barbecue product that I do offer. All right? There you go. JJB. 2023.com send brown downtown and take back your town or in another way of looking at it finance or help out making memphis what it used to be which was a mecca for the south they used to say that the old south started at the front door of the peabody hotel and ended on the far side of the wharves in new orleans so that can be a mecca for the United States of America where we develop affordable energy, we develop job markets, we bring in trade from Europe uh, because Europe is trying to get right into Memphis, which is the distribution center of North American continent. Uh, Our airport has the largest volume of commercial tonnage in the world, except every now and then Hong Kong disputes that, but for those reasons, this is the center of industry, trade, and distribution for the United States. We've got Ford Motor Company building electric cars about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Memphis. Cadillac is a little further. California says nothing but electric cars in the middle of the next decade. The seven largest car manufacturers in the world have committed to selling nothing but electric cars in, I think it's 14 years now. And here it is, right there in the center of everything. This ought to be it. America ought to be wanting to come to Memphis, Tennessee, 
instead of the children and grandchildren wanting to leave here and go someplace else. Public safety, yeah. Other thing, police port reform, I've got a plan that I've mapped out where instead of having ineffective civilian oversight or review of the police, why don't we model it on the U.S. Department of Defense, where you have a civilian commander-in-chief, that's the president, that would be the mayor, who would be the civilian head of the police department. You've got a civilian secretary of defense. We would have a commissioner or a director of police, civilian. You have sub-secretaries uh, of Army, Navy, etc., and Subsecretaries over departments within. We need sub uh, commissioners over sex crimes, uniform patrol, traffic, property, juvenile matters. We can set up communications so we get stuff together. I want to do something like I did on my show where the city would sponsor binding arbitration under U.S. and local law so that citizens of moderate means can enter into binding contractual arbitrations and with no lawyers allowed to practice be in front of city-sponsored uh, units so that you can resolve disputes and result in a diminution of interpersonal hostility and aggression so there's less violence. Violence? Well, let's look at the Second Amendment. It says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the common defense. Well, we have an unprecedented amount of savagery going on in the inner cities right now. So why don't we utilize that and have the city form community militias, not bozos running around talking Hell about yeah. uh, this, talking. that, and the other, but... Let's have some militia where we have retired first responders, veterans, and good citizens who go to the training once a month and go out on patrol to supplant or supplement the police, where you can have fatherhood back in the hood, where five or six uh, grown men are out there on patrol supplanting the police department, and they say, son, come here. What are you doing out here at this time of night? Go home. We're telling you to go home, or we'll give you a citation, or we'll do something else, run you in. And no, you're not going to do that with us. We have our carbines on our shoulders. And these are people who live in the area. See, it allows the citizenry to take control of their circumstances, to feel less than helpless, or not feel helpless because they can participate and build up the equity and making where they live safe. See, there are all kinds of ideas that people. Think I hope. About. Oh, I know. And I and, and from what you're saying right now, I hope that other 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 people around the country, who are governor looking to be governors and 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 mayors and whatever. Oh man, I, I hope that they're all taking notes because I'll tell you, if the if if civility really breaks down and the union falls apart, if you were the may, the mayor of Memphis, that would be one of the uh, the most secure city states in the uh, in the North American continent, and that that'd be a place I'd move to immediately if that was really the uh, the law of the land and the opportunity. Because what you're talking about right there is you're setting up opportunity. It's not a uh, it's not a police state. It's just it's just it's an opportunity zone at that point because uh, everything is stable and people are able to just operate and uh it's it's unencumbered by any kind of outside inf influence the best you can at least but uh, i hope people go and check out your 
your website, become a supporter, and especially if you're out there in Memphis, get get your votes ready for 2023. And uh, Judge Joe Brown, thank you so much for being on again, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit after the holidays. One more thing. You can catch me on Twitter, at Judge Joe Brown TV. At Judge Joe Brown TV. I'll Drop make, in. I'll make sure I'll put that into the, the description, too, so they can go and look for you. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Thank you, My sir. My pleasure, young man. Keep it up. Oh, I will. And you, as long as you keep coming back, that'll be great. It's where we have a wonderful I'll time. I'll come with back. Talk. All right, great. Have Even a good one. When I get to be mayor, you can have interviews with oh. the mayor. Mayor Judge Joe, <laughs> Mayor Joe Brown. At that point, you're still going to be Mayor Judge Joe Brown. We'll talk to you soon, though. Happy holidays. All right, sir. I've been got to go. This has been Judge Joe. That's it. Take care. All right. All right. Well, there you go. We filled up the entire uh, the entire show. So, guess what we're doing for Friday night? Everything else, and I'm totally fine with it because um, what taking calls and switching switching subjects so rapidly in the uh, in the last what will we have had 25 30 minutes it would not have done justice for all the big things that are going on out there today so uh this is what we do we're going to say good night for tonight uh i'm going to get into our super chats real quick that we're going to say good night i'm going to go and do a little altering of my titles and my descriptions for this evening's broadcast and then tomorrow we'll be talking about kamikanye what happened today on InfoWars and elsewhere? Because there's, I mean, I think Matt will be here tomorrow night. I think so. There'll be plenty of things. Maybe we can slip a couple of uh, uh, of clips on. That's what we'll do. Maybe have, or maybe we'll get off of YouTube and just go full on. What the hell you think? Anyway, those are decisions I have to make from now until tomorrow. But thank you, Stostube. Says, great guest tonight as usual. As always, a wonderful listen. Thank you, Frank. Be well, brother. Great Thursday. Carlos Carreras says, my former agency I just left reps one of the leads on PV. What is that? P-Valley? The hero role? Uh, original title was Pussy Valley. Damn. They're just going to get... The only racy element of the show they felt was the only racy element of the show they felt was the title, thus changed it. I remember reading the pilot and thought, that's their issue? The title? For fuck's sake. I didn't even know what the hell P Valley was, and then people in the in the Discord started dropping all of the of the uh, you know, the coming attractions and the 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 posters and all that stuff, and it's just Wow, I, the, the things that you don't even know. But then again, I'm not a teenage girl or a tween or whatever the hell else. And uh, I'm not watching things on Netflix every night and, and telling my friends about it. And I'm not just, I'm not in those circles. So a lot of this stuff is just going on. First time I ever heard about it, Judge Joe Brown knew about it. Man, um, let's see here. Let's see here. C Designing Shining C says, Twitch not working. Thanks for another great guest. Uh, it, it, yeah, well, it's probably working for you now. I got to, I got that to kick in right after the intro. There was a stream key problem because I had to do some alterations to Twitch last night. And it was, uh, we're all right, though. Uh, Sharon says, it's been another wonderful week. Thank you for all that you do. This is on Foxhole. River Pike for a third lava lamp. Wow. Well, thank you. I we'll see what I can do if I can get a third lava lamp in there. Secret Weapon, congrats, Frank. Thank you. 
River Pike, Boys Block, Sean Joe, Captain Flint, and PQuest. You guys and gals have been wonderful to me. And tomorrow is another day. So we'll do all the all the other stuff, the, the InfoWars stuff tomorrow. And and just carry out a nice little coasting session to the weekend. And remember, not this weekend, not next weekend, the 10th, but the 17th. That's going to be our Saturday night special here. And I'll let you know what the cocktail uh, recipe will be for that evening. Maybe we'll dress all nice and uh, snazzy. I don't know if I have anything snazzy to wear. But I'll figure it out. You guys have been fantastic to me. Oh, I have a couple other things. I want to say this. I got, I found out that Gino, Lark, Larkstar, and Sunshine Girl over the last few days have left me super chats on the old Tipistream account. I want to thank them with all of my heart and also remind people that quite frankly, superchat.com is the only URL you should bookmark because then whenever we make Whenever we make uh, jumps from things like Tipistream to stream elements where we are right now because people wanted a Super Chat option that allowed them to use something other than PayPal, and with stream elements you can use PayPal or credit card. Whenever we make switches, which I have to imagine will happen from time to time, the one thing that will never change is the URL. That's why I bought, quite frankly, superchat.com. So make sure that that is in your bookmarks because I would hate to miss any of your super chats. They are so vital to the show, and um, I guess people haven't really gotten that comfortable with uh, getting back into them ever since the PayPal thing. But I, I promise you that there is a, there is a non-PayPal option now. So, by all means, and then this, which I have to just say is totally on me because the last couple of weeks have been so crazy. But here is from Aaron Mack. Aaron Mack wrote into me and said, Hey, Frank, do you think you can give a shout out to my husband, David? It was our 18th anniversary on the 20th of November. It's my, I'm, I know I'm late. I want him to know that despite the crazy ups and downs, I would do it all over again. And I'm looking forward to watching the wind blow by for another 18 years and beyond. I really appreciate it. Much love, Aaron. So I hope that Aaron and David had a wonderful 18th anniversary and that their Thanksgiving was great and that the Christmas is going to be even better and all that jazz. So thank you guys and gals. I'm going to save everything else for tomorrow. And I thank you for uh, for your patience and for your company. Good night and take care. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. Now, our super chatters, Stostube, Carlos Carreras, and Sea to Shining Sea. We'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tonight. And for everything else you need, go to quitefrankly.tv. Merchandise to become a sponsor, to read through the blogs, to enter your name into the free mailing list, and to just hang out with good people. Thank you for everything.